Women make up 70% of the healthcare workforce, but only 20% of its leadership. On her story, we'll explore the careers of bold and influential women from Silicon Valley to Capitol Hill and learn how they've overcome the odds. This is Her Story, a program where we explore what's beyond the glass ceiling. Well, welcome back to Her Story. My name is Angela Jane. I am the Chief Research Officer at Trillian Health and a member of the Her Story Advisory Council. And today it's my pleasure to welcome Mary Ratuto to the show. Mary is currently the general counsel at El Camino Health and also the chair of the board of a nonprofit behavioral health provider, as well as holds many other board seats at pharma companies. Mary, thanks so much for spending some time with me today. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here, and I appreciate the opportunity to share my story. You've really established yourself as an accomplished leader at a very interesting intersection of nursing to law to now serving on a couple different boards. As you think about your foray into healthcare leadership, do you consider your path to be accidental or intentional? Well, I guess I would say I started out as an accidental leadership. I was a nurse. I was working in Chicago where I grew up and went to school. And I decided that I wanted to travel and see different parts of the country and live in different parts of the country. And so at that time, they had only like one or two traveling nurse companies, and I signed up with both of them. And I would pick positions based on the geographic location. So I went to New Orleans, Atlanta, Florida, the Jersey Shore, you know, depending on the weather and the location. And in each of those positions, it, I would take, you know, not really thinking about the position, just thinking about the geographic location. But most of those positions ended up to be supervisory roles. And they were, you know, charge nurse roles. So that's really how I got my first experience in leadership and, you know, wasn't really looking for a leadership role, but it was accidental. Over the course of my career, I think I've become more intentional about it. And particularly, I'd say the last eight to 10 years, I've been very intentional when I, you know, went from my in-house role at Dignity Health to El Camino Health, that was because I wanted to be general counsel. That was my career goal. And then more recently in the last couple of years, when I've started joining the boards of various healthcare companies, that's been very intentional. Wow. So you have a very nutritional path, which I'm really excited to unpack with you today. So let's start with, you know, how did your family, your kind of early influences kind of inspire your professional ambitions like early on in Mary's life story? So I guess my mother was always um, focused on the value of an education. And so I, you know, really, you know, took that very seriously. And then my father, his value was your work ethic. He always worked two jobs and, you know, was constantly working, it seemed like, from my perspective as a, as a child. But I really got a really good work ethic. And so I think the combination of those two has really helped me to move forward in my career and to be able to change careers, because I just feel like with an education and a strong work ethic, you can do anything. So then what prompted the decision to kind of train as a nurse first? So I, I wanted to be a nurse ever since I was, I can't, I can't even remember, probably like six or seven years old. Um, my father had back problems and was in the hospital quite frequently. Back in those days, they used to put you in traction for like two weeks at a time. So I remember going to visit him and the nurses were so impactful, right? And they were always at the bedside and always helping you. And, he, you know, he was confined to bed. So I think that really impressed me. And I just, I really wanted to help people. So I, I'm, a, I'm a helper by nature. And I, I just felt like nursing was the way to help people. 
So then you mentioned earlier that you had this aspiration to you know, be general counsel and there are a couple of steps in between, but how did you go from I'm seeing patients, I'm at the bedside, kind of this passion for nursing to say, huh, now I think I want to go to law school. So originally I was thinking about getting my master's in nursing and I was working in pediatric oncology. And so I was going to get, you know, I was going to get my master's in pediatric oncology. And that was at a time in the healthcare system where they were changing the reimbursement methodology. And so hospitals were cutting back on the clinical specialist positions. So a lot of my colleagues were graduating from their master's programs, but not able to find clinical specialist or advanced uh, nursing positions. So I kind of decided to pivot and think about what else, and I was ready to go back to graduate school. You know, I started thinking about what else might I look into. And um, I had taken a legal implications in nursing class in my undergraduate program. So I con connected with a couple of the teachers from that class, and it was taught by nurse attorneys practicing. And that's when I decided to pursue law school. So I don't want to gloss over that because I think that's a, a really important thing to emphasize for our audience. I mean, that's a big career shift that you made kind of get us in the mindset of like what you were thinking through at that time where you met with any resistance did your colleagues like well, Mary what are you doing like what was that like for you I've always been open to opportunities and I've always felt like I could do anything I think that came from my mother as well she always told me you can do anything you put your mind to and so when I felt like I, I was ready to go to graduate school I wanted to do something you know kind of more and have more impact than bedside nursing because by that point I'd been a nurse for I guess four four or five years and I realized that you know, bedside nursing, you have an impact on someone's life every day, right? Your patients. But I also saw the broader impact in healthcare that you could have with other positions. And so, you know, that's kind of why I was interested in graduate school. And so I guess to me, law school, it was always, like I said, that class was interesting. And so I thought, you know, that if I put my mind to it, I could do it. <laughs> so then coming out of law school, you know, at that point in time, what did you set out to do next? And then how did that kind of take you, you know, I know there were a couple of things you did in the middle, but how did that find yourself at El Camino Health? So when I first was graduating from law school, I had, you know, been involved with, there's an American Association of Nurse Attorneys. And so I had, you know, networked with people there. And a lot of people seemed to be pigeonholed into medical malpractice. And I did not want to do that. I was working part-time during law school in medical malpractice because they need someone with a clinical background. You know, that's a perfect fit for, the, for, for that type of litigation. And I wanted to do litigation. So I um, decided to join a large law firm and I, I joined a large law firm in San Francisco and wanted to get a variety of litigation experience. So I did environmental litigation, employment litigation, commercial business litigation. And that gave me a really, I think, good understanding of different industries and different businesses. But then I gravitated towards healthcare law because that was that, you know, that was really where my passion was. And so one of our clients at the law firm was a large company that owned over a thousand skilled nursing facilities. I was working with them as outside counsel and they had an opportunity that opened up for regional counsel in the Southeast, but it was located in Arkansas. And so I had no desire to go to Arkansas. And as I said before, I was always driven where I lived was driven by where I went to school even in San Francisco was driven by where I wanted to live. So I had this dilemma, you know, do I take this position and go someplace where I have no desire to live or, you know, do I just keep looking for something else? Well, I decided that 
and this was kind of maybe where I started with my intentional, you know, more intentional leadership. I decided that this would be a really good position. It was regional council and um, was a leadership position. And so I decided to, my husband and I moved to Arkansas and luckily he worked for a software company and was able to, you know, work remotely. So that all worked out, but that was really that what started my healthcare law career. And I think the lesson I learned from that was that sometimes you have to go live someplace you don't want to live for a couple of years to get the experience that you need to launch you know, something else. And so with that experience, I was able to move back to San Francisco and then continue my health career, a health law career. And from there, I went to a medical device manufacturer and then ended up at it, back on the provider side because that again was where my passion was working with you know the clinical leadership, and I worked at Dignity Health for a little over eleven years as regional counsel in the Bay Area. You know that was probably the most influential time of my career, and then that's when I decided that you know I would really wanted to have the challenge of being general counsel, and and then took the position at El Camino. Wow. So, you know, your point on geography is particularly interesting in today's environment, kind of post-COVID and work from home. We have a lot of folks who are, you know, asking themselves the same questions, but I think there does come a point exactly to, to what you just said about, you know, sometimes there's a unique opportunity that you have to, to move for. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how that plays out over the next couple of years with the, the new crop of leaders. But I know in our conversations, you mentioned to me that you view your role as general counsel in many ways, like a guardian of the, of the organization. And you have such a broad scope and you get brought into so many different conversations and strategic initiatives. I'm curious, you know, not only in your general counsel role, but, you know, all your other roles leading up to it, what skills or, or things did you have to do to kind of prepare, prepare yourself or kind of bring yourself up to speed for those types of discussions and different topic domains and competencies and, and all of that in the middle? Yeah, I guess in terms of skills, I think it's empathy is a really important skill and really caring about, you know, the people and the industry that you're working with. And that's why, you know, healthcare has always been my passion. And so I can, I really care about helping the, you know, the clinical leaders and business leaders who are making the decisions and, and operating the, the health system, right? And so I'm supporting them. And that empathy is really important for that relationship and to be able to make decisions for the organization. Otherwise, I think, you know, flexibility, you know, my job, I never know what's going to happen from day to day. I mean, that's one of the reasons I scheduled this interview so early in the morning was because you know, once the hospital's up and, you know, people are, you know, back in the office, you know, I'm getting calls and, and I never know what's going to happen. And that's one of the things I love about the job is all the different, you know, issues and problems that, you know, people come to me with problems. And so having flexibility and resilience and being able to stay calm in a crisis and give a different perspective. Sometimes it might be a perspective that people don't necessarily want to hear, but that's, I feel like that's one of the things as the guardian of the organization, I have to be the voice that maybe people don't want to hear and give the advice that I think is in the best interest of the organization. Given your broad portfolio, I know you're also very passionate about kind of giving back to the community. And so you spend a lot of time dedicating board service Given, you know, you've got this demanding day job and you're doing a lot of different things, how do you determine, you know, where to spend your time as you're thinking about where else to allocate, you know, your expertise and contributions? 
So for me, I allocate my time where I feel like I can fill the greatest need and have the greatest impact. When I was asked to join the board at Momentum for Health, which is a behavioral health care provider, a nonprofit, and they're the largest provider of behavioral health services in Santa Clara County, their client base is underserved Medicaid and uninsured population. At that time, I, I was concerned about my bandwidth, but I felt like the need was there. And the CEO at the time, Dave Minetta, he's still the CEO, he you know, was trying to get more diverse perspectives on the board. And so I felt like you know, this was like a call to action. And it's actually the, one of the best decisions I ever made because I feel like I've had a really really great impact on guiding the strategy of the organization, guiding them through COVID for the last two years. And, and I was actually asked to be the chair of the board after I'd only been on the board about a year. And I felt like I'm, I'm still learning the organization. But again, the CEO convinced me that he really needed my skills. And, and since I you know, was an executive at El Camino, I was kind of going through some of the same, you know, issues that Momentum was going through. So I try to fill the need and, and have impact. That's what drives me. Yeah, I think your passion is, is very apparent. And, you know, you touched on this a little earlier, but I'm curious how you think your clinical training has kind of prepared you or served you well in both kind of your, your board roles, but also, you know, your role as general counsel. So I think my clinical training helps me with empathy for, you know, I think that's where I really developed empathy. And then also it helps me to understand the, you know, healthcare industry, you know, from the, from the bedside. So I can relate to the clinical staff and the clinical leaders and also the business leaders and really understand the organization. Because as an advisor, both as general counsel and on boards, you really need to understand the industry. And, and my clinical experience served that. Have you found that, and I'm making a little bit of a generalization, but based off some of the data that I've seen, you know, probably in nursing, you know, you start off your career being around a lot of other, you know, female professionals to now being in more, you know, senior leadership roles, serving on boards where, you know, women are, you know, not as fully represented. And so how has, A, I guess that shift for you kind of shaped your approach to leadership, but then also kind of what advice do you have for other women who are kind of like one of the few in leadership? It is an adjustment, that shift, definitely. And I think for me, I've just always been kind of true to myself and put the interests and goals of the organization first. But I've also been a really strong advocate for women and, you know, take an active role in mentoring women and promoting women in meetings and whenever I can to, to give women opportunities. Along the way, so you've got a very impressive you know, journey and you've made a couple of different career pivots. And I feel like all these experiences are kind of building on each other. You know, you've had to make a lot of decisions and I'm sure many tough decisions, but is there one particular kind of trade-off or difficult decision that you feel like you've had to make in the course of your career? So the decision to move to Arkansas was probably the first one. More recently, the decision to leave Dignity Health and go to El Camino, uh, because I was really, really, I loved my, my job at Dignity. I you know, was really connected with the mission at Dignity, but yet I wanted to be general counsel and I didn't see that happening at Dignity. So that was, that was probably, in terms of a career decision, that was probably the pivotal decision. But, but then again, that then 
changed my career, both in terms of being general counsel, because being general counsel led me to board service. You know, being in the boardroom all the time as general counsel with the various boards that we have at El Camino and the, the various subsidiaries, I realized how much impact the board has, and I learned more about board service, and that was the impetus for me to, to get involved in board service. So in addition to wearing many of your professional hats, you know, you're also a, a wife and a mother. Yeah, this is always a tricky, tricky question, but, you know, what advice do you have for other leaders who are similarly juggling, and I, you know, deliberately using the word juggling, you know, demanding work and personal lives? Well, I mean, fortunately, now my children are adults. <laughs> They're 23 and 25. So I've moved from a mom role to more of a coach and consultant role, which is a lot less time consuming. Uh, looking back on when my children were younger, I think the best piece of advice I have is to ask for help and don't um, think you have to do everything. And also sometimes, you know, it's good enough. It doesn't have to be perfect. And I think I struggled with perfectionism when I was younger and having children. I that kind of helped me get over that because I realized, you know, none of this is going to be perfect when you're juggling a lot of things. And sometimes some things are just good enough. And that's that's fine. That's really well said. So, you know, on the personal front, you clearly are a early riser is what I can tell being on the West Coast right now at the time of day that we're doing this interview. But, you know, we all have personal routines that kind of help us, you know, feel productive or make the most of, of every day. Like what's what's a, like a, your morning ritual or something that you do for you, you know, day to day? So I used to, you know, go to an exercise class, especially when the kids were little, I would get up and go to an exercise class before they woke up. And that was kind of the way that I got, you know, energized and going for the day. Now during COVID, I actually started doing Pilates on the Peloton app. And then I also do a daily meditation that I signed up for, you know, that you get you know, an email every day. And so typically the first thing I do is, is that daily meditation. And then after I have my coffee, do a 10 or 20 minutes of Pilates. I haven't tried the Pilates one on Peloton. I'm going to have to give that one a go. So Mary, this has just been phenomenal. Just a couple of final questions as we wrap up. So, you know, as you're reflecting on this journey, you know, what is something that you believed early on in your career that, you know, could be something that you believed yourself or was told to you that you no longer believe? I used to feel like your career was, you know, linear and that, you know, when I started out as a nurse, I never thought I would do anything else but be a nurse. And so I think that what I've learned is that, you know, your life is not linear and, you know, being open to opportunities, pivoting when opportunities present themselves and just being open to new things is the way to live life. And it, it's funny because recently I was reading Jodi Picoult's latest book and she had a quote in there. I've got to pull it up because I wrote it down. It says, you can't plan your life because then you have a plan and not a life. Ah, and that, that, really res that really resonated with me. Yeah, that's, that's a really good one. That's a, a frameworthy one. So, you know, you have just continued to have tremendous impact on the industry and you still have many more chapters of your book to write as you continue to, you know, dedicate your time to, to service, to make you know health and wellness better in our industry. But as you think about the legacy that you personally would like to leave behind, when you think about the time when the autobiography is going to be rewritten about you, what would you title it? I think I would title it something along the lines of servant leadership 
in pursuit of meaning and impact from nursing to the boardroom. Like that. That'll be the book that we all read when others are pulling out quotes like you just did for us. So Mary, this has just been a phenomenal conversation. Thank you so much for being so willing to kind of share and reflect with us. We have you know a lot to learn from you. Thank you. I've really enjoyed being here. Her Story is a podcast produced by Think Medium. For more leadership stories from inspiring women across healthcare, tune in every Wednesday. Please subscribe to Her Story on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you're listening right now. You can also view Her Story episodes in video and access exclusive content on our website at thinkmedium.com. Be sure to rate and review Her Story so we can continue bringing you insights from influential women across the country. If you enjoyed this episode, we appreciate you spreading the word to your friends, family, colleagues, and mentors who might be interested. For questions and suggestions, please contact us at herstory at thinkmedium.com. Thanks for listening.